0: Welcome to the Walk in Truth Weekend Program. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. But before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and part two of his final study in the book of Revelation called The Spirit and the Bride Say Come.
1: Now, John says, I, John, verse 8, chapter 22, Revelation, am the one who heard and saw these things. John's been uh, telling us all along, just uh, by way of refreshment, in 1-1, he identified himself, Revelation 1-1, 1-4, and 1-9. He says, I, John, am the one. I heard, I saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things? And all God's people said, oh, John, not again. (laughs) Now, I've read some commentaries that say John was worshiping God, just happened to be at the feet of the angel. (laughs) Well, that gives John the benefit of the doubt, and I love to give benefits of doubt, but I'm not sure that that's what is going on here because the angel says in the next verse, do not do that. (laughs) And this is the second time he's had to say that. John was a man, and he I think he was overwhelmed by what he had received. He sensed that it was kind of coming to a conclusion, and so he was human. And so there he is. Uh, you know, you could argue he was worshiping God at the angel's feet, or as one writer put it, the response was correct, worship, but the object was wrong. The response, worship is a good thing, but what you worship makes all the difference. And there are people who are worshiping idols, worshiping self, worshiping the sun, moon, and the stars, you name it, movie stars, rock stars, athletes. But who you worship ends up defining you. Everybody with me? The, and by the way, the object of worship makes all the difference and God does care about what you worship. And this angel knows that. So he says, don't do that. There was another angel around these parts that tried to do that, and he got booted. And he ain't coming back. And so he says, don't do that, verse 9. I am a fellow servant. Angels are fellow servants of yours. Hebrews 1.14 calls them ministering spirits. And of your brethren, the prophets. And of those who, what? What? Heed the words of this book. And then he says, worship God. When the devil was tempting Jesus, that's what Jesus said. It's God alone you shall worship. Satan wanted worship. Just bow down and I'll give you these things. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh. You worship God alone and you serve him only. And so he said to me, Do not, verse 10, seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let it be understood. Don't seal it up. It needs to be known. Now, in the book of Daniel, if you'll flip back to Daniel um, in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel is kind of the Old Testament book of Revelation, if you will, filled with a bunch of prophecy. Daniel is writing about the end days, Daniel 12, and he says these words. He's talking about the uh, second coming, the resurrection, the rapture, and so forth. And here's what he says. Daniel 12.3, he says, those who have insight will shine brightly, 12.3, like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, those who lead many to righteousness, those who influence others to the faith, if you will, like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, Daniel 12.4, conceal these close up, shut up these words, and seal up the book. Until when? Until the end of time or the time of the end. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Now Daniel, in contrast to John, is told to seal up the book until the end of time. And then An interesting Bible verse. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. And some scholars of past decades believe that this had to do with the increase in travel, automobiles and trains and planes and rockets. And people will go to and fro. And you watch people on the freeway. And if you you ever watch something where they speed up the traffic, people are going, they go back and forth, up and down, back and forth, up and down. Maybe that's how you feel right now. That's my life, back and forth, back and forth, forth and back. Well, that's probably not the interpretation here. Going back and forth, many believe, has to do with going back and forth over texts of prophecy and knowledge increasing in regard to the prophetic That is a major view, by the way, of orthodox scholars, that that's the proper understanding of Daniel 12.4. Daniel's told, don't worry about it. Go your way, Daniel, because this is not going to happen in your lifetime. Uh, Look at verse 13 of Daniel 12, the last verse. But as for you, go your way to the end. Uh, Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at what? at the end of the age. Seal it up, because it doesn't have to do with your lifetime. It has to do with the time of the end. And Daniel would die and not see these things. And he wondered about the future of the nation of Israel as they had gone into Babylonian captivity. And he was shown prophecies about the end days and about stuff in in the immediate future of Daniel's own time frame. And he was told, don't worry about it. Go your way. This isn't for your time. Train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And when they're old, they will not, what? Depart from it. Do you know which way you should go? Do you know the way in which you should go? Look, only one generation is going to see the second coming. And we may not be it, but we may be. I don't know. But do you know which way you should be going now? If Jesus doesn't come back in your lifetime, do you know what you're about? Do you know what you should be doing right now? That's what Daniel was told. Daniel, this is not going to happen in your lifetime. Now, John is told something opposite, though. He's told to go ahead and make sure that this is known because it's important that God's people understand this. And so let's go back to the book of Revelation. It is up to Bible students, pastors, to study this book, to understand the words of this prophecy, to live in the light of the second coming, not to be fanatic about it, not to be sensationalistic about it, but to be prepared and equipped. It could happen in our lifetime, but it may not. And if it doesn't, the most important thing you can do is live for the kingdom of God and live the way you're living now, whether he comes in your lifetime or not. Don't seal it up. This book needs to be known and it will give encouragement and it will bless for the time is near. And then he says something that's a bit shocking. This is 22.11 of Revelation. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who is filthy still be filthy. That means don't take a bath, by the way. And I'm just kidding. That's not what it means. Let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. Let the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Now, there are some that believe that this is saying That the generation that sees the return of Jesus Christ, once he comes, positions will be fixed. I.e., that is, that if Jesus comes, let's say there's a, a group of people on the planet, and here he comes. Some believe that once he comes, the day of the Lord starts, and so there's a rapture, there's a resurrection, God's people are taken to safety and then the wrath of God comes, and everybody who's left is fixed in their position because they won't repent because the day of the Lord's come and nobody's repenting. In fact, when we looked at some of the day of the Lord passages, what do people do when they get the boils and the rocks and all of that? What do they do? Shake their fist at God, and they will not repent of their witchcraft and idolatry and immorality, dot, dot, dot. Everybody remember that? So one view is just saying You are who you are, and if at this time you haven't changed, then it's too late. Positions are fixed. It's over. The Bible says now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And there are a lot of people who like to walk the razor's edge when it comes to getting right with God. I'll put it off I'm going to sow my wild oats. I'm going to live it up for a while. Then, when I'm really old, let me ask you a question. If you, and, and God is so gracious, he even saved the thief on the cross, right? God is so gracious, he saved people in hospital beds in their dying moments. But is that how you want to serve your king? Is that what you want to do? Let me just skate in by the hairs of my (laughs) (laughs) chinny-chin-chin. Saved. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Saved as by fire. Yeah, my clothes are smoking, but I'm in, baby. Give me a broom. (laughs) Hey, that's the attitude of some people. And if that's you, I guess have at it. But... That's not how I want to get in. I don't want some angel having to put out a fire on me as I'm trying to skate through the elevator doors, if you know what I'm saying. I'd like to make a grand entrance into the kingdom of God. Not that it's about me, but that it's about I serve my king well and he says, well done. Good job. Now enter in. Don't you want to please him? You know, we sing about him dying for us, and we want to give him everything. And then take a look at your portfolio or your calendar, and you probably have a pretty good idea of what you're given. And so that's one view. There are others who believe that in these imperatives, not indicatives, it's kind of saying something like this. If you're reading this right now, and you're in the filthy category, you might want to take a hard look, because there's going to be a time that comes when your position may be fixed, especially if you're this generation and it's going to be too late. So there's an urgency about being saved. Behold, I am coming, verse 12, quickly. Some people say, give me that Bible track. Tell me about that mark of the beast and that Antichrist again. There, that If they're from the south, that Antichrist again. Tell me about him. Because when I, when I see him, you gave me that Bible track. I won't. I'll refuse the mark, bro. I'll I'll be good. I'll leave that Bible track right on my desk. I had a coworker years ago. I told him about the end times. I gave him a gospel track. He left that gospel tract on his desk. And I knew he wasn't a believer. And I would walk by his desk and he would say, Pastor Michael, tell me one more time, if that antichrist guy comes and this happens, don't take the mark, right? I said, why don't you just come to Christ now? And that little gospel track was on his desk, almost like a little security blanket. You know? I mean, on one hand, at least he was thinking about it, but Jesus says, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Jesus told the story of the talents and the minas in Luke 19. He told the story... He said there were people listening to him he told a parable he was going to Jerusalem they supposed the kingdom of god was coming going to appear immediately he said a certain nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return or come back he called 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 minas and said to them do business with this put this to work king james occupy until i come make an investment do something with what I gave you, and when I come back, we'll settle up. You guys know the story of the talents, right? Two of them did well with it, but one hid it away because of what? Fear. I was afraid. I was afraid. Here, let me put a little bit more dirt on this. I'll protect that. You didn't do anything with it? No, I was afraid. Fear. Really? Really? No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it. Because it is to be revealed with fire. The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon, it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. What that tells me is that we're saved by grace, not by works, not by works, not by works, but I do want to have a crown to lay at his feet. Amen? And so I think this, this is the issue. I am the Alpha and the Omega, verse 13, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So we've all looked at Alpha and Omega, first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. We've talked about the Aleph Tav, first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And we saw this in chapter 1, and here's a good way to think about it. It says the beginning and the end. So God is the beginner and the ender. He is the creator and the consummator. By the way, these titles are applied to Jesus Christ. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. Thus, he must be God. And we've gone through that in chapter one. Jesus is the first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginner and the ender, if you will. And uh, he is God. Blessed, verse 14, are those who wash their robes, there's a variant reading here just need to be aware of. If you have a King James, New King James, it says, do his commandments. You say variant reading. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? A variant reading is a difference in two manuscript streams. Let me explain quickly. There are some major manuscript uh, streams that come from different areas of the world, Alexandria, Egypt, and so forth. And with the manuscripts, sometimes there's what's called a variant reading. That is one version says this, another version says this. It doesn't touch any essential doctrines of the Bible. But this is a case where the manuscript family from the King James, New King James says, blessed are those who do his commandments and the others say who wash their robes. Now, is it true that there's a blessing for both? Yeah. If you if you have had your robes washed, and we'll talk about that in a second, you're going to be blessed. It's by the blood of the Lamb, by the way. And if you do God's commandments, are you going to be a blessed person? Yes. But the concern is that it doesn't imply works here. We're saved by grace. So I'll let you wrestle with that. But that's the variant reading. That they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Now, if the first reading is correct, who wash their robes, the only ones getting into the city and having access to the tree of life are those who have been washed. Have you been washed? We have a gentleman in our congregation who does printing for car washes. And he wanted to do something for the church. And what he does is he, he has a little business advertisement on the front of the little card. It's that check card that you hold when your car is being washed, then you turn it back in with a couple bucks for the guy who dried your car, right? So he said, hey, I want to do one for the church. Do you have an idea? And I said, yes, I do. Here's my idea. On the front of the car, card put, have you been washed? Question mark. And then, you know, we'll, we'll put some Bible verses on there. Things were good for a while until an atheist showed up in one of the car washes. Have I been washed? Now, we wanted to put him in the car wash, but <laughs> apparently the, that wasn't going to work out. So. But you know how it goes. So they had to remove the card, Pastor Michael's grand idea. But hopefully it got some people's attention while they were waiting for their automobile, right? Have you been washed? You're getting your car washed. <laughs>
0: you're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. And that was part two of his final study in Revelation called The Spirit and the Bride Say Come. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Remember that in addition to broadcasting on this great station, Walk in Truth is now available on your favorite podcast app. Are you listening to True Crime podcasts on iHeartRadio? Well, listen to the true gospel from Walk in Truth too. Walk in Truth is also available on apps like iPodcast, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Please subscribe and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app and share an episode with a friend. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, friends, it's always good to go back and just remind one another what our mission is, not only for Walk in Truth, but for us as Christians. And it is, you know, for teachers, for pastors to equip the saints for work of service, To the building up of the body of Christ. That's why we exist. We want to build you up so that you can serve the Lord in your local church and extend the gospel to your friends and family. You know, that's really what life is all about in Christ. And if you have a question in regard to your faith, maybe something that a friend has asked you, maybe a question about a sermon that you've heard or heard something that we taught, we'd love to answer your questions. And you can email your questions to answers at walkintruth.com. That's answers at walkintruth.com. And I'd love to answer your question on the air. And speaking of answering questions on the air, we have a question from Brock. And he asked this question. It's an insightful question and an interesting question. Why do the heavens need to be reconciled? And Brock was uh, referencing Colossians one twenty, and it says, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And so, Brock's question is well, why do the heavens need to be reconciled? And it's a great question, Brock. And, you know, this kind of goes with the idea of new heavens and a new earth. And when you, Consider that in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, and then there was the fall. So we go from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 3, and we know the curse came as a result of the fall. And in the ancient mind, the heavens, in that sense, spoke of the atmosphere, the sun, moon, and the stars, the universe, if you will. And the question that scholars wrestle with is, do the heavens need to be made new? Well, whether or not they do or don't, they will be. So there will be new heavens and a new earth. We can see that, for example, in Isaiah 65, 17. 66, 22, I think is the other place in the, in the book of Isaiah, the end of the book of Isaiah. And we also have new heavens and a new earth mentioned in Second Peter 3, verse 13, and then Revelation 21, 1. And Peter makes it clear that the current heavens and earth are going to be burned up and there will be new heavens and a new earth so that everything can be fresh and new. Now, did the heavens in that sense come under the curse? That's a good question, and I'm not sure we have enough to go on there. But what we would say is that reconciliation means to make peace, and that's the ministry that the Church has, but the ministry of reconciliation that the Church has is by virtue of being reconciled to God through Christ. So we have a ministry of reconciliation, and we extend that to people to be reconciled to God, to be made at peace. Let me just give you a few other thoughts, and I'll tell you, I taught on Colossians 1, and this is not an easy passage, so let me just share a little bit from my notes about this. So the phrase all things is a parallelism with verse 16, Colossians 1:16. And Since at least the time of origin, some interpreters have said that this verse argues for universal salvation. It's been suggested that God will not allow anything to fall outside the scope of his saving love in Christ. But we do know that not everybody's going to be saved, and universalism is not true. Judas. It would have been better had he not been born. Satan will be uh, in the lake of fire. So not everything is going to be reconciled. So what is the best understanding of this reconciliation of the heavens or heaven, if you will? And I think what we would say is that it's going to be the end of this cosmic conflict. You could call it a universal shalom. You could say that peace will extend to every part of the new heaven and new earth. And that was initiated in the death of Jesus Christ and uh, his great love for us. One other note, this is from Mu. He talks about scholar that followed Erasmus and proposed that in the death of Christ, angels were reconciled not to God, but to men. This suggestion is that angels were angry with men for what they had done to God and wished to destroy them. And the work of Christ took away their wrath when they saw how much God still loved them. That's an interesting view. The vision of Paul was a universe in which not only people, but the very things were redeemed. And this is an amazing thought. Let me just share a few of the things. This is a lengthy answer, but I don't want to sell this short. So here you go, Brock. This writer says, There's no doubt that Paul was thinking of the Gnostics when he wrote this, we'll remember that they regarding regarded matter as essentially and incurably evil. Therefore, they regarded the world as evil, the matter of the universe, if you will. But as Paul sees it, the world is not evil. It is God's world, Psalm 24, and shares in the universal reconciliation. That is, the whole universe will be reconciled back to God. And the universe's uh, nature is pictured in a incredible way is longing for the revealing of the sons of God because it knows when we get our makeover and the resurrection, it will get its makeover. So the Colossians, as they open their heart to the gospel, were experiencing this reconciliation, and that reconciliation is looking also forward to the full reconciliation of all things. And I think that's the best way to understand this. So I hope that helps, Brock. Appreciate your question. And remember, you can ask your Bible question when you send it to answers at walkintruth.com. We'd love to try to answer that today. Answers at walkintruth.com.
0: Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's study in Revelation 22 called The Spirit and the Bride Say Come. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.